Welcome to Do You Know Who You Are. This is episode 52. Yet another long spell between episodes, but I'm happy to be back. It is June 5th. We've had already a very hot summer. Yep. And funny enough, we had rain yesterday, and this is when we were originally planning on doing this podcast episode. Nick was going to come on over and then 10 minutes before he shows up, the power goes out. <laughs> <laughs> the forces so, of nature wouldn't let us have a podcast yesterday. <laughs> but instead, we went to lunch. Yeah. And, and just talked about band stuff and talked yeah, about... Yeah, it was actually kind of Band good stuff, yeah. Just to catch up, you know? Yeah. So I have with me, we're in the dining area of the house. Near yeah. a new table. Yes, the the piano benches. I got Truvy jumping around us, and and Victory's uh, on the carpet yeah. or on the on the uh, rug over here. Right. But I have with me Nick Wright. Hey, Eric. It's so good to be talking with you with microphones in front of us because, yeah. like, this is essentially how our friendship started. Yeah, it's kind of this this <laughs> this angle of you've got headset on behind a microphone running a show, and then I get invited in way back yeah. in the KTCU days. Yeah, and I'm across from you, and we're just talking music, and you're like, I'm not sure what this guy is about, but he seems kind of cool, and we Dude, we hit I, it off. I knew like the first time I saw you smile that I was like, this dude's great. Nice. Because I briefly met you when you were, I, I ran into Joey Schaus. Yeah, Joey. Out, outside of the Student Union, Student Commons. I, I don't really know. Right, Frog Fountain the, maybe or something, yeah, that area, yeah. Yeah, and uh, hey, this is my uh, my roommate Nick. And it's like, what's up, man? And then like the next semester, you're sitting next to me in yeah. FM station operations. Right. And uh, we start talking about Pulp, and I see that, yeah. That, this that, guy's into music. And I was like, you, I'm like, I think I'm going to have a good time with this dude. Nice. And so I have you on, I don't know if it was my slot or what, but it was just a slot. Yeah. And we just start talking about music. And then I'm like, okay, let's have you be on the air. And you're all like, uh, <laughs> I'm on this spot. Well, I think it was with TCU, they do like the training yeah. session. And so you've experienced radio guy. I think it was, was it An Andrew Haskell, right? Uh, Andy Haskell. Andy Haskell. Yeah, Haskett. Thank yeah. you. And Haskell. He was like, you, you Dallasite. Yeah. Thinking of Haskell the street. Right. So Haskett, <laughs> he says, um, yeah, go in and sit in with uh, Eric Grubbs. He's got good experience. And so I go in thinking, all right, I'm just going to watch. And you're, you know, the wizard of radio plugging in PSAs and doing all this stuff. And it's like a little bit like Wayne's World 2, but in a more like mellow way where you're like, all right, you ready to get on air? Yeah. And I'm like, what am I doing on air? Why are you comfortable doing this? You're gonna have to be on here anyways. Let's just go ahead and you know put you in the deep end. Yeah, thankfully. I'm like, okay. Thankfully, I wasn't like Harry Shearer and being like, uh huh, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. while you're doing yeah. stuff. All right, yeah, yeah, uh huh. We're yeah. doing Wayne Stock. Yeah, Wayne Stock. <laughs> but anyways, which, it was fun. Yeah, which leads it all the way up to here. Which this is a big reason why I wanted to have you back on my podcast because uh -huh. like last time I had you on was like, like two or three years ago. Yeah, and. I think we had been talking about playing music again. Yeah, it kind of, it was mainly, it was like episode maybe five or something like that. It was yeah. one of your first, like, and it, it was within the, the single digits. Of your, okay. Yeah, definitely. It was pretty early on with your podcast. Okay. I remember you and I reconnecting and I was doing the radio. Oh, I'm sorry. I was doing a reel to reel records. 
Yes. So I was doing the record yes. store. Yes. And yeah. so you reached out and you're like, hey, Nick, I've, I've got this podcast. I haven't caught up with you in forever. Um, I, I heard you're doing a record store. Let's just talk about vinyl yeah. and where it's at. And that was two years ago when the boom was starting to kind of, there was more record stores popping up. I think Josie had just opened. Mm-hmm. You and I had a lot to talk about then. Yeah. But we, um, we kind of ended on... Um, we should play again music. Yeah. Right. And it was like one of those things where you kind of in passing, you, you say that to old friends a lot where it's sure. like, Oh, we should play again, you yeah. know, but probably if you roll the dice one out of 10 times, it actually happens. Right. But we started to maybe three or four months later, Ryan yeah. somehow got us connected for mm-hmm. his birthday show. Mm-hmm. And you and I already built a rapport up from the podcast. We were like, man, let's do it. Yeah. It was kind of cool reconnecting yeah. that way. It was, it was really nice to be, watching a Manchester City match and it was uh it was for a uh it was for the Capital One Cup. Yep. Not a big title, but mm-hmm. silverware nonetheless. Nice. And here it is like I think at that point one one and it went to penalties. I mean it was it was just a nerve rattling mm-hmm. match. But in the middle of it I get this notification of Ryan Slavinsky has added you to a message group. And right. I'm like what's this all about? And, and then he's like, Hey, um, oh, this is my really bad Ryan impression. Yeah, it's like, Ryan. it's like, um, yeah. Um, I want to do a, I want to get a band together. Yep. For, uh, no, I don't, I don't even sound like Ryan. I'm sorry. It was sort but, of but, dry but, in the whole, like it was, it was, it, you're reading it as text, correct? Yeah, like yeah, in yeah. the message. Yeah. yeah. He just said, I want to get a band together for my birthday show. Yeah. I'm turning 40 in August. And this is like February. It was about six months in advance. Yeah, and um, and like uh, he asked a lot of people. Mm-hmm. There was like nine on the chat. Yeah, essentially, and we were the only two that could commit to a regular working right. <laughs> schedule. And, and it was it was one of those things where it's like I think he had even mentioned a couple bands that he was like, "Hey, I'd like to model this cover show. I'm turning forty, and yeah. you know, even like." My cousin, Jay, he did something similar where he had all of his friends do for his 40th. They covered uh, Pink Floyd's uh, Dark Side of the Moon with all of his friends down wow. in McAllen, like Harlingen area. Wow. And it kind of triggered me to think, Ryan's kind of doing something similar. This is cool. Mm-hmm. you know. And um, I had been playing with Ryan just as a two-piece yeah. under this Axis project, which was like maybe a year or two before he even mentioned this because yeah. we had fallen out doing that as well. So yeah. it was like, oh, he wants to do something. And um, he always played guitar or bass and I the same. So it had to be some sort of a, a drummer jump in. And yeah. I think you were the only one that played drums that even I, in the message group. I don't think there was another drummer, was there? I think there might have been a friend of his from Chicago okay. that played drums. But, but you were the main one that would hinge on if it would kind of work because we yeah, have to and, have a drummer. And Ryan and I had wanted to start a band many years ago. Just a lot of factors just not falling into place. Right. And we did do this one one-off band, and it was still probably the most fun show I've ever had mm-hmm. because of the fact that we were a barely formed group, and we never played after that. Right. But we played all Rolling Stones songs. Cool. And, um, you know, it was it was a couple of the guys from that band, Blackheart Society. Oh, yeah. Ryan played lead, and um, I think we had Fred Holston play keyboards and sitar or and then like right before we started you playing just said sitar nice yeah and then uh amanda newman now amanda 
Amanda War, uh-huh. uh, just gets up and starts playing tambourine like right before we start playing the show at yeah. Club Dada. And uh, I mean, that was so much fun. Cool. And uh, like people were dancing. And yeah. I, I, normally I'm not used to playing music and people are dancing. So spontaneous, good energy. Yeah. Playing yeah, yeah. stones. And so I still always thought of that as like, you know, the best show I have ever played as far as like the most fun I've ever yeah, had played. With the right vibe. And strangely enough, as like vehement as I am against drummers that use only one crash cymbal. Yeah. Oh, I can use it as a ride too. It's like, uh-huh. no, no, no. No, but I I justified that by if you're gonna play Charlie Watts drum beats, you can't be too cymbal happy. So right. I was like, okay, I'll just have my 20 inch crash ride. And just lock it in, keep you kind of simplistic so, on that. Yeah, I always kept that in mind. And then when Ryan was talking about just playing all covers, I was like, yes, that's a great idea. Well, and he made a good point. He was like, you know, we only got six months till we do this cover show. Yeah. Um, Really, we were the only three that locked into a schedule. He kind of branched off from that message group and said, all right, guys, I was thinking these kind of songs. He made like a Spotify playlist of like 40 of his favorite, you know, that we could do. And I think we kind of started to whittle down to, as you said, it was covers. And you were like, oh, yeah, because that's kind of how bands get started. Just the language of playing together. Yeah. And so we played. What songs do you remember us doing? Well, we did uh, Trouble Come Running by Spoon, Spoon. That's right. Uh, Richard III by Supergrass, Stars by Hum. That was killer. A yep. Deer Hunter song, Blurred Lines. No. Yep, Blurred Lines, yep. Blurred Lines? Is I think that it, what it's Desired from? Lines. Or desired something. Lines. Maybe that's what it is. I'm thinking of the Robin Thicke song. Yeah, Sorry about right. that, folks. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, Need You Around by... Yeah. Um, the Smoking Pope. By the Smoking Pope. We did the Weezer track, and we did um, yeah, no one the Big Boys, too. Yeah, we ended with uh, Which Way to Go. It was so funny when we were doing that show, because we ended up getting a show booked, you know, yeah. doing the double wide for it. And I remember, I think it was Bo from Cavity Days, West Windows, and yeah. you know stuff he's been working on. And um, he goes... And that was really great, but why are you doing all covers? <laughs> and it just made me think, like, maybe there's a stepping stone here that we well, should, you, you know. As we were working on these songs, you know, we'd get together, like, once a month, twice a month. Right, we'd go we to, did, Bishop Manor, that's right. Yeah, Bishop Manor Annex, which kind of spoiled us, and, like, oh as far as, like, a really nice practice space. Yeah, Duncan and that whole crew, it's so nice there. Mm-hmm. God, Bishop Manor's great. And, um... And so you're like, I, I have this, I have this song, and it was an original song called mm. "Fill the Void," mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, okay, let's play it, and you know, any chance I have to like have like kind of a quiet part and then a really loud part, yeah. I was like, I'm totally game for that. But one of the issues uh, about playing that show is that we couldn't find a, a permanent bass player. True. So you played bass on a few songs. I did. That's and right. then and then we did like the Sleater Kenny way for a, a couple Two of songs. Two guitars when we needed it. That's yeah. Right. I didn't. You know, I'm usually the guy that's like watching a bassless band and being like. You don't have a bass player. Mm, I'm not okay with that. It gets judgy quick from some people that are like, come on, just get a bass player. But in our situation, we just couldn't find a bass player. No, we had to just just adapt to it. And I remember coming away from that show uh, thinking, man, we should keep playing. And I think that's what you and uh, and Ryan were also thinking. We just had to do it because I felt like, you know... And this will kind of lead into some of our topics of playing in our 30s, you know, being older in bands. But, you know, having a family and already having that schedule worked out for the when we did our cover show as a Fearsome Brown, we basically were doing once a month 
maybe twice a month, and then it was like back to back right before the show to be really ready. Yeah, and it was successful. So I turned to my family and say, "Is it cool if I still practice once a month?" And they're like, "Sure, you seem to be really happy. You enjoy what you're doing. You know, that's a creative outlet for you." And, and it worked. Yeah. So I just felt so lucky to do that, to mm-hmm. like continue playing. Um, not only did we build that rapport as a band, just doing covers, but I think having an original song snuck in there that we all were digging, like fill the void, yeah. it was enough of a catalyst to be like, uh, can everybody get off once a month, please? And we <laughs> kept it rolling. Yeah. It was and, really cool. And then we... We did have to add another member, didn't we? Yeah, because... <laughs> The funny thing is, is that Willis Devaney, that's how you pr- pronounce Oh, Willis Devaney. Devaney. Yeah. You've been in the band with Willis. You don't know how to say his last name. Really? Man. <laughs> Willis Devaney, yes. Devaney. Okay. okay. Don't hate and, me, Willis. And as you mentioned that, <laughs> let me say, sometimes the world just works for you, right? Yeah. And the yeah. planets aligned because yeah. essentially... Willis and I are friends on Facebook for years, known each other since high school. Y'all played together. Had, played in bands together. Hadn't been in touch in a long time. Mm-hmm. We do the Fearsome Brown show, which was about end of August of that year. Yeah. And then Willis hits me up in November, December, and says, hey, man, you want to jam? Out of the blue. Yeah. Guy just wants to play drums. I find out his drums are like in his attic essentially yeah you know he's been married same deal we just been moving on to other stuff hadn't been playing yeah and he had played it in some pretty buzzed about bands like sound team and the lemurs right he's done stuff over the years and so it's like i think he had the itch again of like i just want to play and so he hits me up november december i didn't even mention it to you guys because i was like it's just a one-off me and willis going to new jam because i knew new jam studios uh now texas rehearsal something else practice texas jam yeah texas jam something (laughs) but new jam at the time up there in plano i go i know a space that's an hourly one why don't we just meet up there so we book like two hours he brings his drums and we just start riffing on stuff and then uh like i was saying the world's just kind of work for you because then i told willis i was like you know, hey, and just by the way, I'm playing with my friends, you know, Eric and Ryan. We did this cover show. It was really cool. Um, let me talk to the guys and see if they might be interested in maybe having you join as a, a, a as maybe bass. Would you be interested? And he's like, well, I really don't play bass. I'm more of a drummer. Mm-hmm. And then this crazy hybrid of we all talked and got on the same page that you yeah. would play yeah. some bass and drums. It, I seem to recall that it was at a torch show mm-hmm. that you, Victoria, and Nick, sorry, and Ryan, man, yeah. Man, these allergies are really Was it make. Torch? Yeah, it was Torch. Okay, yeah. Uh, the band. Oh, Local H played too that night, didn't they? No, it was Torch. Oh, yeah, you're was... talking about the one with Torch and uh, Red Fang? And the horrors yes. opened yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. just the three of us. It was just you, uh, Ryan, and myself. We, it was okay. just a boys' night. Okay. And um, and I just said, it's all like, hey, look, if, uh, if I play bass, mm-hmm. you know, I think, could we just find somebody to play drums or it's like if Willis wanted to, I, I, it's a little foggy mm-hmm. and it's especially foggy because like half of my left ear is working because <laughs> of allergies. Um, yeah, but, you only uh, have half of your hair or your head right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then we were all like, well, let's, let's just bring him in. It wasn't like, we're going to audition you. Okay, yeah. come on in and play the best material that exactly. you can play. Yeah, so there was none of that nonsense about like, you know, auditions or right. trying to find somebody through Craigslist, which I have yet to have ever known of like a very positive experience a my, myself. Yeah. You know? 
of finding bandmates through there. But you're right. That worked because we met back up again at the showcase room at new jam. Yeah. We set up with Willis and we say, Hey, here's like two or three songs. It was like red eyes of gold and maybe something else. Maybe like take memories at the time, whatever, you know, we were working on. And, um, and he just nailed it. And it was a couple moments where, you kind of know in the language of music when you're playing with somebody when you either start to smile or your hair starts to stand up on your arm mm-hmm. a little bit where you're yeah. like those feels of whatever it is. It's like, all right, we captured something. Your body feels it. And yeah. I think we all kind of had that moment of like, okay, this is working. So however we were going to um, make the the band work with the the members of the band, it just was cool knowing that we were all coming from I think the same space and being friends. I know y'all didn't know Willis as well. I grew up with him in high school, but it was kind of neat just knowing that I think we're all in a safe space. We all trust each other. He's somebody that has always popped up at like really important times in your life. True. And that Ryan and I were also in the same room. Mm -hmm. You know, like there was that show that you did at Yes Go Productions. That's right. That where you opened for Binary Sunrise. And Willis was on drums. Yeah, and he was Mr. Disco Beats that night. And could play him very, very well. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was at your wedding and, uh, you know, other spots here and there. So I just just remember Willis. Willis, yeah. In in passing. And... um, I'd say the reason why I still don't, I still didn't know how to properly say his last name because he's always just been Willis. Yeah, he's just Willis or Willie yeah. D. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like we don't say Divinny, but yeah, exactly. Divinny, man. Willis Divinny. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and just so people have a little bit of reference, like from the Lake Highlands area, went mm-hmm. to high school there. Lots of great people from the Lake Highlands high school scene. Yeah. You know, uh, Annie Clark to become St. Vincent, yeah. Ryan Fitzgerald, Polyphonic Spree. You know, a lot of great talent, even the guys from Secret Machines. Yeah, the Curtis Brothers. Exactly. So that was just kind of one of those things that there was a good melting pot of that East Dallas um, scene. And so um, when playing in high school, Willis was, I think, in another band, but with my songwriting and his drumming and my friend Paul and I, we were like, Willis is amazing. Like definitely the best drummer that we had at the high school. So I felt lucky to have him playing with me through... Uh, the band at the time was Provolity. Yeah. Right. So like played local a little bit, Dada curtain club, it's high school. You dream of big success. But the thing is, is that like, I felt like we at that time and we'll get into it more as we talk about playing in our thirties, Yeah, but being in high school and doing that, sometimes you have a little bit of the grandiose thought of we're in high school, but there's a manager that's out there that wants to help manage our band. And look, mm-hmm. if we're in this right position, we can yeah. really make it, yeah. you know, and I think to a fault that, you know, we were in high school, Willis goes to TCU for college. He came back for a lot of shows. Yeah. So like, you know, he's in college in Fort Worth, still coming back and doing some high school shows because we're seniors at the time. So, you know, the pull of we're going to make it <laughs> pulled him, I think, away from college a lot sure. too as a distraction. Sure. So it's just something that might lend to some of our topics that come yeah, up yeah. about and, our topic today. And, and also it was... It was kind of like I played in a high school band with a couple of guys that are about a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. And um, we just ended, you know? Yeah, sometimes it just stops. Yeah. it It's like, hey, you graduated. Okay, band's over. And like, 
I don't know. It was it was just more of like it, it taught me how weird bands can be where it's like you think that you're good friends with somebody, mm-hmm. but then when that band stops, suddenly you don't hear from that person. <laughs> it is like a relationship, truly. Like yeah. if you were to be like in the parallel of dating with someone, it's easy to get it started because it's something new. There's that buzz of whatever it is, that yeah. connection with somebody. Same as a band. Oh, we got a great song. Oh, cool. We got the drummer and the bassist. Everything's kind of coming together. So it's almost exciting to start anything because it's Mm -hmm. the beginning. Yeah. But then, especially with high school bands, high school ends and you say, all right, well, we're all going our separate ways. The band breaks up. Yeah. Right. And so that's closure that you don't really know how to handle. Were we friends through this? We stay in touch or is it like the band's done and we just, that's what we ended up having. So it's interesting when bands end, like, and it's kind of interesting in today's world that we have so many reuniting bands. Yeah. That I think the same thing happened to them. Sometimes bands don't know how they ended. It's just yeah. people either needed a break and didn't talk about it and you broke up. Mm-hmm. Or it was just, hey, we're having a bit of a life change. Let's all be mature enough to say we're not breaking up. We're just taking a break. Yeah. The way that my high school band broke up was that um, we played this show at... I'm not exaggerating what this place was called. Beaver's Resort. Nice, dude. I mean, it that was, is classic. It was like an. That sounds like an '80s like John Candy movie. <laughs> well, it was in like one of the more rural towns, right? Next to Kingwood. You know, we're talking suburban Houston. And uh, here, I've been playing with these guys for a couple of years. We started out as like a grunge band, and we ended as like a grunge new metal band. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, and the genres were changing during that time mm-hmm. period too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the first public appearance that we did was trying out for a talent show, and we covered um, two Nirvana songs. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did a Foo Fighters song at a talent show yeah. back in the day, so it's yeah, pretty classic. Yeah, and so here we, you know, we never really got to play like proper venues we Mm -hmm. got to play the young life a few times and we played in garages a lot right i mean many of my saturday nights were practicing with this band i remember those too i mean and it would be like well i could either sit in my room and listen to led zeppelin records or cranberries or rem and just jam on your own yeah and just sit there and read rolling stone modern drummer and guitar world I was there those days i remember that or i can go jam with these guys and um and so we had like a bunch of originals. We did cover songs. And then it just, we played this show at Beaver's Resort. It was like an all day show. Beaver's Resort. And um, awesome. like all these great bands played it. Um, and we played early in the day. Yeah. We opened with uh, Cold Chambers Loco. Nice. And played a bunch of originals, but ended the set with our take on Fear Factory's New Breed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and, intense. And, uh, I would love to hear, hear what the recording of that is. Uh, As you guys, it's it's our take on it. Yeah. You listen to it now, well, and well, it's I, like well, I say shambles. It, I say it's uh, our take because it's like uh, I just had a tape copy of it, and I couldn't hear all the double bass clicking on it. And so, like, <laughs> double I... Double bass. Yeah. I mean, like, the drummer on that uh, in Fear Factory at it's, the time... Had it, people thought he was a drum machine, not an actual drum. Right, but he was double bass kicking at that, like yeah. But we had this. Carrie and I. He was the singer. Carrie and I had a phone call, and he just said, "Do you want to keep playing in a band?" And I just said to him, "It's like, well, I want to play guitar more." And that was the end of the band. 
here was like two and a half years of my life, you know, my, my, my free time, you know, cause it's, it's like over, over you wanting to play guitar. Yeah. And, um, you know, just kind of had to set well, it right there. And plus I was going off to college and, you know, you know, what might really be the catalyst of what we're talking about is sort of immaturity. Yeah. That's kind of what's going on with probably what we get into later is that bands in high school, we didn't know what we were really doing. We were just wanting to play and we all had our own mm-hmm. image of what our band was going to be. And yeah. if you didn't fit that image, then it was kind of like you're not in the band. Yeah. It's kind of an immature way of doing it. Right. Yeah. And I feel like even being a little older now, I don't feel like I was truly at least feeling like an adult and mature till I was probably in my late twenties. Yeah. Like 28, 29 definitely in the 26 27 range but i feel like there's so many bands that are created they explode they implode all within that like i'm 16 to about 26 yeah now that i'm a little older i don't think you are rationally ready to do anything in that time frame right even even if i mean you might be creatively amazing but you're not always great with your judgment of who you're playing with or mm-hmm. how you're managed yeah. as a band. And yeah, that's totally. what, so I, 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 you know, that might be a theme that we get into your topic today, but yeah. I just, you know, as we talk and we riff on where we were coming from, I think the experience that we've had good and bad during that, probably a lot of it is naive, you know, Na- you're na- yeah. naive, naivete about it. That yeah. You just don't know what you're doing, but also being immature enough that people end up getting hurt. Yeah. Broken. The band's broken up. Someone didn't get called back. Um, You know, hey, you didn't want to play on that part. And, you know, you're out of the band. Like, just some stuff that's, if you were older, you could just talk to that person and be like, hey, on that song, I don't want you to play guitar. Because you play drums. Okay, no problem. Yeah. You know, whatever the conversation needs to be. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, I moved away to Fort Worth for school. Mm -hmm. and, And I wanted to form, I don't think I've ever told you this story, but I wanted to form like an emo punk band because that's could, i could totally see that yeah Eric. you can totally see that but this was my first experience in um finding out that people like maybe five years older than me have a different interpretation of what emo is true and um so i met up with this guy named matt mm-hmm. and his idea of emo was more like kind of screamy mm-hmm. hardcore where it's just like if the vocals get a little like like that then that's emo i'm like mm. even during that time yeah because like you know yeah i felt th- like i didn't really understand what emo even was i was getting the under like there was one night because i my roommate was taylor young yeah so and taylor's done great stuff hi-fi drowning the o's you know his own solo spree. stuff polyphonic yeah. spree and there was a night that Taylor's like, it was, we had just got to college because he played a neon girl in high right, school. And right. Provoli, we played together. So we were both going to TCU. We were roommates. And uh, Promise Ring, we're playing a Tuesday night at Trees. <laughs> so we go and it's the um, it's their emer- very emergency tour. Wow. Yeah. So we go on a Tuesday night. It's Promise Ring. I don't remember who opened, but also another legendary at the time emo thing. And Taylor and I had heard like, maybe at CD world, like very emergency was up on the CD listening. Yeah. So we listened to it and we we're like, that seems really cool. Let's go. And in college you feel like you have so much freedom. Yeah. Like I got a car. I don't have class tomorrow. Let's go. Yeah. 
So we saw the show. It was incredible. And I think that was one of the first times I had to really wrap my head around what is emo of that day. Because uh-huh. I saw a sunny day, um, how it feels to be something on tour. And that mm-hmm. was like 98. Yeah. Well, this was a year later, 99. Yeah. And at my brain, I'm thinking, okay, I, I've heard of Jawbreaker. I liked that, you know, Dear You record. I like the sunny day. I like promise ring, you know, get up kids. We started getting into that year as well was something to write home about. And to me, that is when I found out about emo. So yeah. I'm wondering where did this guy even think screaming and all that would have been emo? Uh, like what, did, what bands would he have been thinking? Of? I mean, he might've been thinking of like nation of Ulysses, circus lupus, uh, Antioch, Arrow. which is more like, punk rock right well it's i just think of it as more like hardcore hardcore yeah you know where it's like just all this screaming and and so like i just had this one off with him but funny enough the guy that introduced me to him see we met through like a message board yeah there's a guy named jeremy harris and jeremy Uh harris and i are still friends to this day it's like if i'm at a punk show or an emo show chances are he's there that's interesting and so like you know, it's like, oh, cursives in town. Oh, Jeremy's here. Yeah. <laughs> Cursive, you know, that's and, you know, and uh, uh, I saw him when face to face came through. I was like, hey, Jeremy's here. Yeah. So it's it's funny how that you you keep in touch with those kinds of people that are into the kind of music that is not so easily found. Mm-hmm. And um, in in that case, uh, what ended up happening throughout the rest of college for me is that. I joined an emo band mm-hmm. for a few months, pl- technically played a show with them, mm-hmm. um, where I'm not exaggerating. We played to two people and the sound man wow. in the Ridgely Theater. Brutal. In the actual Ridgely Theater. <laughs> in the Ridgely Theater. What booking was that for? <laughs> um, what kind of show? Do you remember what it was? Was it a festival kind of show? No, or? no. We were playing with a couple of other bands, but one of them was like... The kind of band that I frankly saw that and be like, if that's the kind of band I'm in when I'm 40, I don't want to be playing music. Right. Or it's this whole thing of like, hey, I've got this nice Gibraltar rig drum kit. Mm -hmm. And oh, my God, I've got this beautiful Fender Stratocaster that Mm -hmm. makes me sound so rockin'. Because they can afford to buy the good stuff, but they don't always have the credibility. Yeah, but it was just cheesy. And I I just thought like, man, I don't want to be that at that age. And as I am 39... I'm 38 this year, so we're yeah, right at 40, yeah, knocking and, on the door. And you know what? I mean, I, I've i said this many times, uh, and but I haven't said it on this podcast yet, but I, because, you know, when you don't do a lot of episodes, you know, you don't do it. And really the reason why I haven't done a lot of episodes is that doing the podcast had to be put on the back burner with all the other things that you've been super busy. Yeah. I marriage band. Yeah. Marriage, marriage is awesome. Yeah. It's great. And we like to spend hope and I like to spend time together, uh, watching movies, yep. just, just being together. That's important. And, and, uh, and also I play in two bands with you. We're really busy. Um, yep. I, I have the full time job and I'm working on another book and mm. I have an almost other full time job, which is, being a freelance writer observer too yeah yeah and so it's like doing podcasts means you know had to be put on the back burner so that said uh playing in bands now Mm -hmm. it's like the edge is totally off right on you know instead of having conversations about man we can get this 
uh, demo recording mm-hmm. to somebody at Reprise Records mm-hmm. or oh man, we know Coldplay's lawyer mm-hmm. or Bright Eyes lawyer. It's like the pipe dreams. It's like, oh, we have an in, we need to work this. Yeah, and, and like it's... you know, and I, I had played in a couple of bands where uh it was the whole topic of making it mattered a little bit more than writing good songs and you know, being who we were. Right. Because um I'm not going to name the name of the band, but uh, there were some major issues with that band that would have always prevented them from, quote unquote, making it. Sure. And I, I know that we started writing material that was trying to be appeasing to what was popular at the time, and uh, which I was playing in a band with you. Yeah. That was more like, hey, we genuinely like shoegaze. We genuinely like garage rock. Mm-hmm. Let's do this 1130s thing. Sure. And here I am playing in this other band that um, was very influenced by U2, The Doors, and Oasis. Right. And, uh, and I mean, I would show up to band practice, and there was a dry erase board up of people we need to talk to this week about putting on a show. Yeah, dude, that's (laughs) that, that honestly, that's kind of what goes back to not, not immaturity. That's, I mean, it's a little different. It's kind of like the naive part. It's like we're making music and we want to make it so bad. Uh, not just making the music, but make it in the industry so bad that we now need to be networky. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. that really can kill a band. It's almost like it's better. And maybe this is something that's benefiting us today is that each person in the band, it's like you kind of have a certain characteristic or role that you play. Yeah. And I feel like in all bands, it's okay to have the person that does want to network and talk about your band and reach sure. out to clubs and press and all that because you kind of have to do that as a right. band. You can't just sit there and well in the era we do have now you could just record it and put it online and it, and it, and it takes you yeah. know and someone catches it but you do need to have someone that has that role of i'm going to help promote us a bit yeah but when you get the whole band like the zeitgeist of we're all in front of an erase board and we're all going to like figure out who we can talk to and who do you know who do you know who do you yeah. know that makes it to where then it starts to not be about the music yeah and that's probably where you know there's bands out today that I'm sure that's still a lot of their focus because they want to make it. Yeah. And they don't feel like they can make it unless they just absolutely go to the grind and network away. And and, and people people sniff that out. Mm-hmm. If there's a band that's just kind of a little too much in their face yeah. and feeling a little bit used, and then a band, um, you know, it can be, no matter how good their music is, then that's what people see first. Yeah. And they don't give the music a chance. Right. And... um. So maybe it's good that, you know, uh, bands, the members know their role. And, and that's kind of why probably, you know, there's bands that are just good enough that you're you're the artist and I'm going to be your manager. And there's a third party yeah. that helps do that stuff. Right. But um, I've really never been in a band situation that's had that, yeah. you know, and you have to. That's a lot of trust to that person, mm-hmm. um, even though 1130s. Didn't we almost get big cheese entertainment to. Yeah. Big cheese. This guy looked like a porno film director. I know. And he just seemed like 
Well, didn't we? We had like we did. We did a show with them. for him as a showcase. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was a chance to play Dallas, and we played with a band that I, I'm not exaggerating. Was I on this bill, or no. was this when I was gone? This is yeah. when you were in London, right? But you're all like, "Hey, Eric, I'm gonna go see Cigarettes open for Radiohead I out know, in the field." And I'm I like, know you lucky you're best. fucking asshole. And you're all like, "Yeah, I just saw this really cool movie called Donnie Darko." And I'm, yeah. Oh, you know, I had such yeah. Yeah. So while we're doing this, you know, we had Taylor. Uh, from yeah from Void came in play right. and um and the thing was is that we had a chance to play Dallas because we had just played Fort Worth so we hook up with this guy that I mean it was literally called Big Cheese and yeah the, I'm I'm also not exaggerating that this guy looked like he was a porno film director sure like a freaking uh, Burt Reynolds Boogie Night slash Ron yeah. Jeremy or so something. he sets us up with the band. That covers I Might Be Wrong by Radiohead and a Dave Matthews band song. Wow. They had a violin player. And also, I. Uh, Were they actually decent covers or was it pretty bad? It just kind of seemed like the kind of music that you would hear at a frat party at that they time. They were phoning it in. Yeah. And they like, were playing diverse music that really shouldn't be on the same genre. I mean, like. Yeah. Radiohead next to Dave Matthews, you kind of start to lose some cred pretty quick. Well, it was kind of like 2001, 2002, this era. Yeah. And, um, and so, like, I think after I got fired from the band I was, I'm talking about because of the fact that I didn't want to work a crappy job mm-hmm. and just drop everything and go on tour and, you know, come home even more broke. Sure. Um, and, uh, and so... But then I got hooked up with Ashburn Glenn through yeah Goose, the guy I didn't that, know that yeah he he so called, Stephen Ghost did that yeah Ghost uh, Stephen Ghost we call him Goose yeah Goose who was your friend um, and you brought him into the eleven thirties right he left a voice message uh, and he's like Eric I found you your new band they're called Ashburn Glenn give Jason a call and so Jason and I meet up I play with them. I, uh, the rest I, is history. You played yeah. a couple records with them. I actually never recorded with them. Oh, I thought you did. They put one. out. They put out two records. I met. Th- I met them after they were recorded. They had recorded their second album, but it wasn't out yet. Yeah, you helped us put it out. Yeah, for Mission Label. And um, but we had like all these new songs, and uh, and also I became Jason's housemate totally for five years, and so during that time, you know, I was pretty much committed to doing Ashburn Glen, but uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, but things were a little bit too loose with that band mm-hmm. where it was kind of like, oh yeah, we can play a show without a bass player or we can play a show without our lead guitarist. And it's like, uh, we kind of need something. Yeah. And so I think I needed that time because frankly, like music has always been a very personal thing for me. And if things are messing with me about like my enjoyment of listening to music and playing it then i gotta step away from it sure so then i i played with the pull tabs for a couple of years and that was an interesting experiment in realizing that um yeah i can be somewhat of a jerk when i'm in a band and i have like ambitions and Mm -hmm. so i'm like well how about i play in a band where i'm i'm friends with these guys yeah i'm I'm already friends with the guys that i'm in yeah and uh, and so then, you know, Ryan gets us together and then you bring Willis in and then it, 
And so it's now to the point where we have our band Cape Mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, we we wisely changed our name from the Fearsome Brown to uh, Cape Mountains. And we recorded a record last year. This was the first time I had ever recorded properly in a studio. Yeah, with Jordan. Yeah. With, out in Fort Worth. Yeah, Jordan Richardson, whom we just remember as the guy that we went to college with. Sure. He was and, right there with us during radio and TV film classes, yeah, theory yeah. classes, all that. Yeah. I mean, and I'm happy to say that the person that we knew in college is still the same dude. Totally. You know, people can be like, Oh, Jordan Richardson. Oh, he won a Grammy and he opened for Pearl jam. It's like, yeah, that's great. But if you want to, you want to hear those stories from him, you have to bring it up to him. He's not going to be like, well, let me tell you about the time that I was recording Ben Harper. And I decided, no, he doesn't bring that stuff up. He's just himself. Yeah. Day by day. Good vibes. You know, let's just um, be friends first and then make good music. Yeah. That's kind of his vibe. We recorded six songs or five songs. We did six songs. Yeah, we did six songs in 13 hours out in a barn. Yeah, what was so cool about that was like we were going to record somewhere else. And Jordan and I had just hit each other up on Facebook about something. And I introduced our band. Yeah. And he goes, hey, man, let's look at our schedules. Let me let me see if I can record you guys. And I was like, oh, that'd be so great. Yeah. And so my family was so supportive. They were like, let's give you some money towards your birthday to record your band. I'm like, oh, my God, that's great. Yeah. So it worked out. It was um august of last year so it was 2017 yeah august yeah it was crazy hot we're in a barn which Mm -hmm. is out near texas motor speedway technically just in texas yeah and you're right jordan i think he was really coming at it as we'll probably get maybe two songs you know what i mean (laughs) and i was like well jordan we've worked so hard let's just get everything set up let's record live yeah if it's good enough let's just keep moving on and so I think we set everything up on a Friday night. Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. And then it was Sunday we recorded. Mm-hmm. And we did all day. Got there at like 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. I left at like 10 p.m. Uh-huh. And we had recorded six songs with layered guitars from Ryan. Yeah. A couple overdubs. And then I did the vocals. We had to go back and do vocals one more time later on yeah. for the EP. And I did my but, like vocal cameo. And you did your vocal cameo. <laughs> take like, what's take mine. Take what's mine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... One thing that that told me that was really, really cool was, you know, a Jordan trust us. Yeah. And we trust him because, you know, he could have easily said on song two guys, that's enough. Yeah. But he let us do maybe two to three takes of each song. Move on. Pick our favorite. And he was like, you know, I don't usually do this for bands, but you guys are really in the groove and let's just keep going. Maybe we can get a little EP out of this. Yeah. And and we did. And um, it kind of. I've recorded live before with other bands, mm-hmm. but I've never had a band where, you know, we worked really hard before we went in to record. Yeah. For sure, we were tight. But, you know, with the heat that we had to go through, where basically you would turn off the fans while you're recording. Yeah, because we didn't want to bleed into the amps. The noise, exactly. And we're in a barn. Yeah. And it was rock and roll summer camp is what we kept calling it. <laughs> but it was just to me really cool to be back with old friends you know jordan we've known forever we're with ryan willis um yourself myself all in that room and something kind of special happened i think that made it to where it was like the cave mountains project that's been like hey i think we're we're having a good time you know once or twice a month to practice it kind of became real like i think we can document this yeah yeah and i'm very proud of that recording yeah i mean great i mean it's it's just so weird about how like you know, you've you've been in a studio before. Mm-hmm. I had been in a studio once, and it was right. with Ashburn Glenn. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but um, we were contacted 
by a, uh, it was like an engineer student. You know, he was like working as a sound engineer and it's mm-hmm. like he needed to record bands. So we go to this place, the studio, a very nice studio near where the studios in Las Galinas are. Yeah. Are you familiar with I that? I know area? that area. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so Jason had a brand new song and, uh, so we sit down and all I have is like a bongo, <laughs> a bongo that I'm playing. Lance had his guitar. Josh couldn't make it. Uh, so we had no bass on the track, but uh, we just did the song live sure. a couple of times, and that was it. And we asked the guys, it's like the guys that were running the thing, it's like, does it sound okay? It's like, guys, this is such a relief. We've been recording death metal bands all week. Nice. <laughs> Refreshing. <laughs> yeah. So, giving our ears a break. Yeah, yeah. So that was my only experience in being in a studio. Prior to that, it was always just recording stuff on cassette tapes. And so here we are now that... Um, you know, you you were already singing in another band called Creatures and Chemicals with with your coworker Adam. Yeah, and it was it was originally envisioned as like a horror punk band. Yeah, but it really kind of became more of like, well, we really like Weezer and mm-hmm. the Pixies and super all this. melodic, but also kind of in that yeah. um, punky metal world. Yeah, and um, you know, the first drummer didn't work out, and then you asked me to audition. And, yeah, and I mean, it clicked right away, and then. Um, bass player that we had at the time just stopped showing up and sure. so then we get a guy that does show up and is a great dude and yeah daniel's and, great yeah and um so it and so like normally around this time of morning we're practicing you yeah know, because we practice at a place that's down the street from where i work and you and adam will be on your uh lunch break yep. and daniel is a self-employed guy mm-hmm. so it all works out so i mean and plus our songs are like two minutes long yeah we can run through the whole set yeah we can like do 45 minutes we can work on new material and rehearse the previously it's written crazy. material uh and so it's just kind of like and so it just made me realize and this is just the real crux of you know what we're talking about today is like i enjoy playing in a band at 39 way more than when i was 29 or 19 mm-hmm. and you know it's just kind of this i'm not necessarily justifying it you know just trying to tell my parents it's like i matter it's it's more of just like realizing that i didn't have to give up music and I, I don't have to be playing covers. Yeah, it's to, it's so true. Yeah, because like that seemed to be the path that I saw with people that were older than me. You know, it's either you give up playing music and you just always seem to regret it. Yeah. And I think what's great is that just the way that hell the way that Cave Mountains works is that the internet really saves our ass. Yeah. Because like you know, you and Ryan get together and y'all work on something. And so then you upload it to a Google drive. Mm -hmm. Willis and I listen to it and then we get together and we jam it out. It helps so much. And then, I mean, and and we're very lucky to have this situation where (laughs) it's like, okay, so we've got a show booked in August. It seems like we've got this thing about playing in August. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's, that's the most, that's the most fruitful time for creatures or for Cape Mountains. Creatures we're going to play this weekend. Yeah, we have um, a lot of shows for Creatures and Yeah, uh, but with Cave Mountains, it's like it seems like August is the time. But w- we got together last Wednesday, and the word was like, well, let's focus on like three or four new songs mm-hmm. that we can play at the show in August. So we work on those three or four songs, and then we write a new song. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of one of those things that um, with us having 
scheduled it so well. And this might be like you and I saying, all right, playing in our late thirties, almost forties is more, is better than it was when we were younger. Yeah. It's like, I think the maturity factor of, okay, I can do creatures and chemicals. It is 1030 to 1130. We're going to practice twice a week. Yeah. Right. Cave mountains. Let's do every Wednesday night. If we need to throw in a weekend, we will. But like, if you have it scheduled, yeah. We're all older. We're responsible. We can meet those schedules and use the internet to share the demos and the recordings. People that do their homework can pull this off. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're doing in these bands. We're kind of either, you know, having to, if we miss a practice, listen to something that's going to be on that next practice. If we're there for it, we're locked in, we're creating something new. Yeah. And maybe that's what's been kind of the most inspiring is just like you said, I'm older but I don't have to just have um, a hobby where I play at home collecting guitars because now I have more money and I can yeah. buy guitars, but I'm not really in a band. Yeah. We're able to kind of do both. We have jobs with money. We're being responsible enough that we're actually able to kind of do this. Yeah. And there's less pressure on making it because right. we've already kind of made it. Our yeah. lives are established that we can do this. Mm-hmm. And, Instead of I dropping very it, lucky. Yeah, instead of dropping everything and being like, well, we have one year to make it. And it's like, you know, you're putting an expiration date on your we band. we got to go on the road. Yeah, and, um, you know, if you can go on the road, great. But we're none of us are in and a situation And in the era that we're in, that. we don't necessarily need it. I feel right. like there's a lot of bands that can make it not just like, you know, bedroom style, but they've recorded something great, however it was recorded, put it yeah. online, you put it in the right places and the right people listen to it and they love it and they mm-hmm. start to share it. A lot of the internet, whether it's making the music, like we're sharing demos or it's online and people start to kind of build a buzz. You don't have to go out like you used to, that yeah. you had to go from town to town, passing out flyers and doing, you know, promotional CDs and all that stuff. You can do a lot of it online, yeah. which is to our benefit. Yeah. And, it has not reached a point with either band where I'm like, I'm kind of sick of this. Yeah, right now I think we're giving enough breath to yeah. it. And I feel like with Creatures and Chemicals, that's almost more of a live thing because yeah. we have so many, you know, we have three shows booked Yeah, at this point in time. So We do? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got June 10th yeah. and we're playing at Real Club, Yeah, July 1st at Curtain Club, uh-huh. and then September 15th at Dirty 30. Yeah. And I've noticed with that band, we're kind of tapping into a scene that's a little bit more in, you know, the punk metal side of Dallas, yeah. which is new to me. I don't really know that many people in that scene. Yeah. So, you know, back to our roles. Adam has been really good about talking to bookers and promoting those shows and yeah. getting us set up in that way. And then if I'm doing that kind of for Cave Mountains, I'm not having to have to play two, two bands at the same time, yeah. which is really beneficial. Yeah. But um, I think with not getting burned out on them. It's like we're giving ourselves enough to look forward to, which is like a show in the distance to work towards, but also we're writing enough new stuff. I don't feel like I'm bored. We're not playing the same songs, the same set. Like, yeah, we actually kind of are looking forward to how each band's progressing. Yeah. And you know, one of the problems that I had with the previous band is that we got so many shows that we would just rehearse to play for the show. Right. And I was like, well, guys, what about this next record? It's like, uh, well, we got this one show. <laughs> we got this one mm-hmm. show. It's like, and, well, I would like to do something new. Yeah. And um, and I think it helps that neither band like has a, like a supreme 
supreme jerk in the band. Yeah, everyone's pretty cool. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't feel like anybody's trying to say we have to make it tomorrow or it's bust. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's just let it breathe. Let the bands play. If the music's good, people will pick up on it. And I kind of noticed, like, with the Dallas scene, there's a lot of established bands that mm-hmm. kind of have paid their dues to get there. And I feel like some of the newer bands that might be kind of overnight successful they're just part of a younger scene yeah right college you know a hip market that like it just takes there's people that can go to their shows with us we're a little older it'll probably take longer but we in some ways we know a lot of friends that have been in the scene a long time that you know they can maybe say hey why don't you play with us yeah and so we still have those opportunities to align with like friends that we've known a long time even in other bands to play with yeah which i think is really cool and i just really like the fact that we're playing original music and music that we're proud of not that there's anything wrong with playing covers but it's just kind of like if you're a creative person to be playing somebody else's songs it, it it's not as fulfilling it's you not. Know? I mean, I would rather play to five people playing our own songs mm-hmm. than playing to a thousand people of songs that I'm just not that into. Yeah, and I've noticed that too. There's been like um, friends through Facebook or people that I've met that have said, you know, hey, my band's playing, and I'll look, and it's kind of like mostly, you know, they're playing like, um, like the line or some like local kind of sports bar or something mm-hmm. like that, and they're doing um, '80s night, and they're, you know. And it's cool to play. And sometimes people, if that's more their job, they have to get paid. Yeah. So covers equals getting paid. Oh, yeah. yeah. And for us, that kind of goes back to that. Well, we're lucky enough to have jobs mm-hmm. that we don't have to have the music pay us. Right. We're using the music as an outlet, creativity. Yes, kind of a hobby, but maybe it will take at some point in time. Not saying that we would drop everything to just do Creatures and Chemicals or Cave Mountains at this right. time. But it is one of those deals that we don't have to pressure ourselves yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. We just do it. Yeah. And that's a good, uh, to me, it feels uh, a sense of liberty doing that. Not yeah. like you're crushed to do something. And it's not like we've fallen into the trap of what rock critics like to call is dad rock. Yeah. <laughs> I think know? we're doing okay. Yeah. I think we're I, keeping I, it edgy. I mean, we're, well, Cape Mountains was working on a song where it reminded us of like explosions in the sky and shellac. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. I'm in the right place. In well, my and life. that's one thing I noticed. <laughs> I felt like maybe with what we're doing, it's with the word maturity, we're also looking at our diverse interest. Yeah. I felt like younger days of myself was this is the kind of band we're going for. Yeah. This is more of our stroke C with a little bit of shoes gaze. Yeah. You know, when I did Dogma 95, here's my kind of microphone solo project, a little bit of Beck, something there, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, there's been these different lanes that we're in. And I feel like there's something to be said for with a band with a sound. Yeah. And I think Creatures and Chemicals, we are establishing a sound, yeah. right? Yeah. Melodic punk with horror themes. Yeah. With Cave Mountains, we have this alternative rock sound, mm-hmm. but we're pooling from, oh, okay, well, that does kind of have a, um, like you said, maybe like, the explosion in the sky portion, but oh, this kind of sounds Mercury Rev or Mojave Three. Yeah, and it's like we're talented guys that have listened to so much different music that when we're making music, we're now not consciously saying this is what we're making. Yeah, it's just like that part sounded kind of tortoisey. That part sounded kind of Chavez, and yeah. it's like those together taking some of the best of alternative indie rock over the last ten or fifteen years. 
you get a band like us just making it mm-hmm. like whatever ends up coming out. Yeah. It to me is a lot more genuine yeah. than what it would be of like, Oh, we're doing a nineties alternative band. Yeah. And, and I'm very happy that, I mean, I knew that Ryan could write really good riffs. Yeah, for and sure. So like pretty much every time he's like, oh, I got a riff. I'm like, I want to hear it because it's, probably going to be great totally yeah and you he's know? like always workshopping in the woodshed of like yeah this yeah, is yeah. something good as a part yeah and i think what's kind of cool is that a lot of times i'll write music from uh top to bottom mm-hmm. and then you know it's not completely wrapped up with a bow yet and ryan can be like you know this is a really cool part that could fit there yeah and it makes it to where the song just has that you know um extra dimension that's not just one you know verse course verse course thing as yeah. an extra part to make it more mm-hmm. unique so and we have I, I like to say that cave mountains has one song that has like eight different parts in it and then we have another song that has literally two chords yeah which is <laughs> which is good on the ears yeah. you don't want to always have eight parts yeah, yeah yeah so as we're wrapping things up mm-hmm. I got to get to work. You got to get back to work. Yeah, we got our lunch break. Let's plug our socials for our bands. Sure. Uh, Caved underscore mountains on Twitter. Is that it? Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, if if you see a tweet, it's probably from me. You're the tweeter. Yeah. I'm I'm the guy that, you know, just kind of. I'm trying to think. What's our. We're running the gram, Instagram with what? Yeah. It's just at Cave Mountains, right? I think so. Yeah. And then. Facebook just at Cave Mountains. Mm-hmm. Then there's a, there's Bandcamp, you know, which yeah. is like the CaveMountains.bandcamp.com. Right. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's pretty much mirrored with Creatures. I think Creatures. I don't yeah. know if we haven't. We're not know. on Twitter. Not on Twitter. Are we on the Gram? Are we running the Gram? Yeah. Are yeah. we yeah. Instagram? I think we've got... This is so funny that we're plugging it and we're like, are we on it? I don't know. Yeah, you might want to look that one up. Yeah, I think I've got my at, phone up. At Creatures and Chemicals. We definitely have Creatures and Chemicals on Facebook. Um, and Creatures, the EP, which is more of just our early demo EP, is yeah. online as well. Yeah. Spotify. I'm not on it. Apple Music. I, I can't wait to be on something. So we're, yeah. we're hoping to record... Both bands are hoping to record something. Yeah, what I'm kind of envisioning is like, let's get through our live shows this year. Yeah. And then... Go ahead and see if everybody, maybe the around Thanksgiving or the weekend after, maybe a couple weekends in December, we go and we book uh, in the studio and we yeah. record. Because it's kind of good to, I think with Creatures, we can record a whole album potentially, yeah. or at least a solid EP again of yeah. our stuff. Um, but then with Cave Mountains, like I kind of feel like we want to go the single yeah. trajectory and pick like one or two songs to record and do singles. And my goal would be maybe... In, I haven't told you this, so maybe you no. tell me what you think. You put me on the spot. I was thinking 2019 for Cave Mountains. We just do. We our goal is to try at least one single a month in 2019. That's not a bad idea. That way we don't have to worry about an album. Just each month there's a new single. Well, we could do that or a double album. <laughs> Melancholy and infinite music. Well, it's 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 like we have so much material. Like we, we have, do have a lot on our Google Drive. I think we have like 15 new songs. And if I was to dig deep, I'm sure there are sketches of over 40 songs easily <laughs> for Cape Mountains. But we'll, we'll, we'll have it all kind of down to, at least from what I feel like, I think we'll have a top probably five songs by the end of the year. Yeah. So, but so, this has been great. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. it's always, it's always good talking with you. Yeah. And, and I'm glad the show's back and you have kind of a season two yeah. coming up. Maybe we'll get to have some more return guests. 
yeah to your I podcast should, i need to have matt back on because like yeah. you know matt was all talking about being in radio and now he's not in radio anymore exactly you need to find out what he's doing there in downtown dallas yeah that all the stuff that he will talk about on record well and you've and to be honest with you you have a great sensibility you're knowledgeable you've met a lot of great people through season one um we're looking at what this episode 50 something 52 so from here on just i think if you went back and just started to invite everybody that you've Mm -hmm. talked with it in the first part yeah have them back and i think it probably be a kind of a cool bookend to see where people are at it's been possibly, a couple years possibly I at mean, least some of them i always think of it as like you know the nerdist podcast not that i'm wanting to be like i'm gonna make it as a podcaster yeah nerd but, cat yeah but, the nerdist one but yeah. it, it was just originally chris hardwick interviewing his friends and oh, then he'd have yeah. him back on multiple times you know you and find, it worked and you find out that like wait will wheaton was his roommate for years crazy and, and like they're super tight and he's had rob zombie on many times and so you know, as long as the listeners don't mind of having repeat guests, but I swear, if I'm going to have a repeat guest, we're going to talk about stuff that we yeah, didn't talk about in the first Yeah, and it could be just episode. revised information, where people are at, because people change, you know, yeah. and they're in different spots of their lives. So. Yeah, so I'm not asking you the same five questions of like, so what got you into music? Now? Yeah, this is completely different. This yeah. was great. Yeah, well, Sneaky... Th- don't call me sneaky. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, everybody, just real quick. So if Eric ever refers to Sneaky yeah. in college... When we worked at the radio station together, Chucky Weiss, yeah. the performer, yeah. had a promotional CD with the song. Called Sneaky Jesus. And then I somehow got that name. Well, yeah, you just kept <laughs> saying it because it was Because so I was fu- laughing. Because it was so funny. Because Sneaky like, Jesus, please. Goose played it for a music team, and you're all like, oh, yeah, Sneaky, Sneaky Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> and um, when there was kind of a like, hey, we're going to get rid of most of the CDs in the yeah. radio station. I was like, I, I think I have two copies nice, of that dude. Chucky Weiss record. All right, I'll have to get it signed. But uh, hey, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of Do You Know Who You Are? You can check us out on Facebook. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes. I'm going to try to do more episodes on a regular basis. Uh, but uh yeah, so thanks for listening to another episode. I'm your host, Eric Grubbs. Nick Wright, thank you for coming on. Thanks, man. And um, we got to go to work. So see y'all. Bye.